As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Welcome back, everyone. I am very excited about this week's episode because we're covering a topic that I think doesn't get enough love and attention within the world of health and wellness, and that is dental care. I can't tell you how many people I've come across who are scared to go to the dentist because they've experienced just like a lot of unpleasant experiences with the dentist. And, you know, sometimes they delay care or they just like overlook certain things that might be going on inside the mouth because of this. And so we thought it would be great to interview a dentist and talk about dental care. We do basics, but we also get into a lot of really specific questions and scenarios. We also had you all submit a ton of questions. So we did a fire round with Dr. Marie Jackson. She's our guest today. And she's a general dentist and the owner of Stellar Smile Center that's based in Montclair, New Jersey. She has over 20 years of clinical experience in dentistry. And she's been an expert contributor on CNBC, The Strategist, The Wall Street Journal, and more. We cover so much today from how many times a day you should brush your teeth to flossing to how to pick the right toothbrush, how to avoid morning breath, fluoride. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How often you should go to the dentist? I mean, really, we cover it all when it comes to dental care. And Marie was just such a pleasure to talk to. I mean, I feel like I could have kept this episode going for like another hour because it's all so interesting. And I feel like this is information that we all need to know. So before we jump in, of course, I want to highlight a listener review. This one is from Applejacks24 and they write, I very much should have written this a long time ago, but better late than never. This is my all time favorite podcast. I discovered it in 2020 at the height of the pandemic as the show I would listen to while walking my dog. It's still my favorite podcast and I get so excited every Wednesday for new episodes to come out. Wendy and Jess are funny, honest, brilliant, and practical. Love you both. Keep doing what you're doing. The world needs your messages. Applejacks, thank you so much for leaving that really, really wonderful review. We appreciate it so much. All of you who take the time to leave some kind words. If you haven't already, remember to go on iTunes. You can also do it on Spotify and leave us five stars. You can also take an additional minute and leave some words. And we literally read all of them. So <laughs> make sure that you get to it if you haven't already already. All right. So with that being said, we are going to get into this week's episode. So one thing many people may not know about me, I don't know why they would, but I have a cavity in every single tooth, but my front four teeth. 
And some teeth have two cavities, which is a little concerning. But I'm wondering, as someone who has pretty bad teeth, should I be concerned because teeth are an indicator of overall health or does it not really have a correlation? Well, we can say the mouth can be an indicator of overall health, but not necessarily teeth. So sometimes some people are more prone to cavities because we each have our own natural, we refer to as bacteria load in our mouth. And that is literally transferred to us by a caretaker when we are an infant growing our first teeth. So that's out of your hands. So someone may have a really great number of bacteria that is just how it is. And someone may have lucked out and has very little bacteria. And that kind of hooks them up in terms of their rate of cavities as they get older. So it's one of those things where you can make sure you are, you know, brushing, flossing, you're using fluoride products if you're prone to decay. And it's not your fault in that case, because this is kind of what you just kind of lucked out with. And I will say we are, when we're looking at a person in their mouth, we're looking at everything. So we're checking out their tongue. We're checking out the inside of their cheeks, all of these areas that can sometimes indicate issues. Like, so if I see someone with really pale gums, that can be a sign that they're anemic. If I see a person who has some issues like with taste in the back of their tongue, that can be an issue where they may have an acid reflux problem. So those are other things we're looking at, not just the teeth themselves. Okay. That's really good to know. And I mean, I want to like backtrack and start with basic dental hygiene, because there's a lot of conflicting information about like how often people should be brushing, how often people should be flossing, how long you should be brushing for. So how many times should we be brushing and flossing every day? So generally speaking, the rule is for brushing, the rule of two. So two full minutes, two times a day, and you want them to be pretty much the bookends of the day. So, you know, in the morning, brush your teeth. And I will say, it depends on when you're eating breakfast. If you have breakfast, ideally, if you're not on the run eating breakfast, if you can brush your teeth after breakfast, that would be great just to get rid of the stuff that's been on the teeth. But what's really critical more than anything is the end of the day brushing. The other thing is I recommend flossing at night to get rid of the stuff between the teeth that's accumulated through the day. Hmm. The other thing is not just how long we brush, but how we're brushing is important. We want to make sure we get all of the areas in the mouth. But a lot of times people are guilty of scrubbing like it's a Brillo pad in the pan. It's kind of really roughing it up. I've been guilty of it too. <laughs> and I think we think of it as scrubbing feels clean. But when it comes to your teeth, you don't want to scrub hard because you can actually brush away some of your gum tissue and even mm -hmm. brush away some of the enamel. When it's done repetitively, year after year, day in and day out, that can cause some damage. So I tell people when you're brushing, you always want to use a soft or extra soft brush and you want to use the same force you would use brushing hairs on a baby's head. Mm. Very gentle because mm. we're cleaning away soft plaque. Plaque is soft. It's not that you have to jackhammer it off. And if there's yeah. something that's built up a little bit more, you can't brush it off. That needs to be removed professionally. Mm, okay, that's really good to know because I am definitely a hard brusher thinking that I'm actually doing something, but it sounds like I'm not. And sometimes my gums will bleed probably because I'm doing the most. Now, You're not alone. You're in good company. So <laughs> that's why I say it. I say right. it all the time for a reason. And then with electric, like, is it better to use an electric toothbrush or does it actually make a difference? 
I'm a fan of electric brushes. I'm a fan because for a few reasons. One is pretty much all the electric brushes out there are using soft toothbrush heads. So that's one. Another reason is the more modern ones now have indicators to show if you're brushing too hard. So you'll see a little mm-hmm. light that turns red if you're pressing too hard. That's kind of the little, hey, ease up. Don't brush your teeth away. So that's one other reason. And then a lot of them now have timers. So the two minutes I mentioned, they're built in. Now, some of these toothbrushes have even apps. I've seen this, a couple of the brands out there where you download something on the phone and it's Bluetooth connected to your toothbrush. And it literally follows you through your mouth to track, have you gotten to this area or you're missing a spot? Mm. So it helps guide you to make sure you're being thorough in your brushing. Do you have the name of any apps or one you recommend? So usually it's the app tied to the toothbrush you buy. So okay. I know Oral-B has one, Sonicare has one. So it literally is connected to that toothbrush and kind of follows you around your mouth. Jumping in to highlight this week's podcast partner, Inside Tracker. For those of y'all who are familiar with the podcast, I am sure you have heard us talk about how important it is to get regular blood testing. It is one of the most insightful tools when it comes to getting an idea of what's going on with your health. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about Inside Tracker. They take on a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science-backed recommendations on things you can take control of to optimize your health. Things like food, supplements, workout, lifestyle choices, including ways to optimize sleep and stress. Inside Tracker tests and provides optimal ranges for over 40 biomarkers like magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, and ferritin. What I love the most is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything that they do. If your specific biomarker level is not optimized, Inside Tracker will give you recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and that are personalized to your needs. The process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. For a limited time, we are giving our listeners 20% off their entire Inside Tracker store. You can sign up at insidetracker.com forward slash food heaven. If you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then you should visit insidetracker.com and again, forward slash food heaven to get that 20% discount. All right, we're going to get back into it. So is someone who just started flossing at 34 and started, started. yeah, and it was, and brushing my teeth at night (laughs) and it was really a challenge for me. I just could never do it. And every time I went to the dentist, it was pretty much scolding me, right? Like making me feel bad, the shame approach. And it did not work. Can you talk about in your perspective as a dentist, if shame doesn't get someone to do these important dental hygiene things, what does? I'm not a fan of shaming because we have enough to deal with as it is. So I have never been one to do that. What I will say is I think it's up to dental professionals to lead patients and meet them where they are. 
So in the same way, if someone had never worked out and they sign up and work with a personal trainer, they're not going to sit there and load up all the weights and like, okay, go ahead and do this. They have to explain what's going on and kind of work their way there. So I actually tell patients all the time when I know they're not brushing at night, I don't pick on them. I say, look, you're not alone, <laughs> but we want to make sure we find shortcuts that work for you. So what I usually will recommend is brushing and flossing after dinner because mm. usually at the end of the night, like, you know, when it's like really late, you're tired, you want to go to sleep. And that's why people skip because it's like one more step. It's a barrier to going to sleep, sleep, like sleep is king. So <laughs> no one wants to miss that. But if you can brush and floss after dinner, then you've gotten the bulk of the day's material off of your teeth. Now, sometimes people may have a snack or something to eat after that. At bare minimum, they can even just rinse with like an antiseptic mouthwash for a good 30 seconds. And that's going to help get rid of something. So is it ideal? No. I would like a person to brush, floss, you know, clean everything, use a mouthwash, and then go to sleep. Great. But if I can get a person at the end of the day to do that, that's going to make a huge difference. And it becomes like habit stacking where first, you know, you eat and you have your meal and then you think about, okay, it's time to brush and floss. So that makes it a little bit easier to adapt into your lifestyle. So I tell people, it's just a matter of kind of, where are you? What are you doing? All right. If you can't do two minutes of brushing, let's try putting the timer on your phone and maybe doing an additional 30 seconds and then kind of working your way up. So it doesn't seem like this daunting task because we're used to, honestly, most of us tend to brush our teeth for like 25, 30 seconds. So two minutes feels like an eternity. So if you time it for like a minute, you can kind of build your way up slowly week after week because we're trying to have lifetime habits, not like one time, two time thing. And that's it. Yeah. I, I will say that's exactly what worked for me. I finally went to a dental hygienist who she didn't shame me. She said, there's still time because everyone's like, oh, my God, your teeth are horrible. Like you suck. But she was like, no, you still have time. Like, let's work on this. We can do it. And the first time I did nothing. And when she didn't scold me for doing nothing, I was like, oh, OK, like maybe I can do this. And then the second time she met me where I was at and she's like, well, how many days could you do it? And we started with like two. And then now I'm, you know, years later doing every single day. So it does work. There everyone. you go. <laughs> there you go. It's the baby steps. Yeah, the baby steps. Right. Sounds like you need to be my dentist. Because <laughs> I feel like everyone is just scared of the dentist. Like, that's a huge thing. And, and it's not until you go to a good dentist that you're like, Oh, my God, this is actually an experience to look forward to. Because I have friends who like literally will delay it for years, because they're just like, they had the worst experience. So can you talk to us like how often should people be going to the dentist? Hopefully, you know, if they find a good one. <laughs> So ideally, a person should be seeing a dentist for their checkup, cleaning, and oral cancer screening twice a year. So it varies. Now, there are some people who have some gum disease issues who may need to be seen quarterly, but every mouth is a little different. Generally mm -hmm. speaking, twice a, year, twice a year is the rule of thumb. So I understand, I think, being afraid, even though I'm the dentist, I don't love the dentist. I hate saying that, but that's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> it's, you know, it's something where when you're in the chair, you feel vulnerable. You don't know what's going on. Everything kind of sounds a little wacky, smells and tastes a little wacky. It's a very foreign to you. So it's really important to find someone you can trust because, as I mentioned, you're not just having your teeth cleaned and, and checked for decay. We're looking for other signs of disease. We're looking at your tongue, under your tongue, uh, under your lips and your cheeks. 
people sometimes end up with oral cancer or sometimes signs of other issues and no one's checking those areas besides a dentist. So it is really important to have those things looked at because otherwise you could have something lurking and you wouldn't know. But I will say, luckily we're in a day and age where we are super connected. So, you know, every person finds, can find someone who's a service provider that works for them. So the same way you might like one nail salon, someone else likes another one. Same thing with hair. Someone finds a stylist they love, someone might like another person. I think it's the same way with dentists. It's really important to find a dental home where you cared for, safe, and you feel like you can approach them and have things taken care of in a way that's helpful. Because like you said, Jessica, that you've met that hygienist who kind of met you where you were without shame. That helped change your entire outlook in terms of your habits. Yeah, yep. that's a great point because I didn't even think that like, you guys are, are looking for other things. It's not just like cleaning your teeth. It's like, you know, I, I didn't even consider that. I just had a cleaning done in Dominican Republic. I have a great dentist in DR. However, she was booked and I was like, I'm just going to try my luck with someone else. And I went and my cleaning was at most 10 minutes. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this is it. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. <laughs> he was like, you're done. <laughs> and then I went on Google and I'm like, wait a minute. How long is the cleaning supposed to be? Because I don't know if I'm bugging because my usual dentist will take like 45 minutes with my cleaning. So how long should a cleaning be? And how do you know that they did a good job? Okay. That's a good question. So I think I will say there is some variation between patient to patient and even provider to provider. But I want to say when you have dental visit, usually at minimum, you want to see at least half an hour. It can range anywhere from half an hour to an hour. But when I say that, usually you're not just having your teeth cleaned. A lot of times you're also having x-rays to check between the teeth to make sure nothing's going on that's lurking that we can't see with the naked eye. In some cases, you may be having a digital scan of your teeth just to kind of see positions of teeth and see where they are. And sometimes even intraoral pictures, pictures inside your mouth to kind of blow things up to see, hey, this is what's going on here or there. The other thing is, like I mentioned, the oral cancer screening, that's all part of that. So the cleaning itself is one component of that visit. So that can be anywhere from 20 minutes on the lower end to maybe even 40 minutes on the longer end. But all of those other things may be taking place. And usually x-rays are just once a year. And, you know, if somebody has a pristine mouth where they're really diligent with their home care and nothing is going on, it may be a quicker visit. And that's usually what we see. Hmm. Good to know. Fluoride. I feel like there's a lot of mixed information on the internet about it. Either it's the worst thing in the world or it's amazing. And it's also in, I believe it's in public water, right? And, and in toothpaste. Is it beneficial? Okay. So it is beneficial in terms of keeping teeth hard. It is not in water everywhere. Most states have fluoridated water. However, think about how many of us drink bottled water. I just had a sip. You know, a lot of times we're drinking a purified water, so we may not be getting the fluoride in the water. The other thing is this. I tell patients the science is a science. So our enamel is the hardest substance in our body. It's made up of something called hydroxyapatite. These are little miniature crystals that make up the enamel. And what happens with fluoride is fluoride combines with hydroxyapatite to become something called fluoroapatite which becomes even harder. 
So correct in that there are rumors out here where if you ingest a bunch of fluoride, it's not good for you. In the same way, a lot of other things aren't good for you being ingested. This is really something where, generally speaking, we're talking about fluoride with toothpaste, mouthwashes. It's topical, meaning just in your mouth, just on your teeth, not to be swallowed. So it's something where if you are you know, a, a, an adult who's able to control that, you're not swallowing that. And it's one of those things where we do see a benefit. Like I said, the research is out there. We see that the teeth can be made harder with that. And I've even had an experience earlier in practice when I had a patient who came in for um, an issue, he had an x-ray taken. And on the x-ray, we actually saw a soft area, which was the very early onset of a cavity. So I marked it. I told him, hey, you know, just so you know, it looks like it's the start of a cavity. Now, if it's a very tiny area within a certain point in the enamel, it can reharden. And by chance, I saw him about three months later, and that soft spot was completely hardened. I'm like, what did you do? I had to ask him. I was like, what did you do? Because I need to know. And he actually started by chance, independent of anything I told him. He started using a fluoride mouthwash every day. Once I saw that, I said, okay, you know, that's it. I'm sold. I understand there are concerns with, you know, anything we're taking in, of course. So I think you always, as an individual, should talk to your own dental provider and see what they say. Everyone's mouth is at different risk. Everyone may need different things. And, you know, I tell patients, there are some people who need prescription strength fluoride, some people I can say, you don't even really need fluoride. So it just depends on the person and what their individual needs are. Okay. That's good to know. Gum health. I was, (laughs) I was on a walk with my husband this morning and I said, we're interviewing a dentist. Do you have any questions? And his question was, he, he showed me his gums and he's like, my gums are black. Is that a problem? And he's black, by the way. Is that a problem if you have black gums? No. And then, okay. So go look ahead. at me. I tell you this. <laughs> I'm chocolate brown right here. I'm a black girl, chocolate brown. You look at my gums. You can see shades of pink and purple and dark, this, that, and other. We think of gums as everything completely pink because of what we see in media or what we're told. There is no problem. That's melanin. That's how it shows up. Just like some people who are black, you'll see different shades on their nails, on their nail beds. It's kind of the same thing. So there is no harm with gums that are, you know, different colors due to melanin. Where things are a problem is if we see gums that are really red from severe gingivitis or periodontitis, which is gum disease, or if somebody has been smoking a lot and they've had a change in their gums. Now, there are some circumstances where someone can have an issue that is going on with hormones in their body and they can see a change in color of gums. So when we see changes, that's where it's like, ooh, what's going on? Maybe it's time to get some blood work with your primary care doctor to find out if there's some underlying issue and let's find out and rule out anything else. But in and of itself, not at all. I always, I, you know, I have pictures of my gums because we're wearing masks all the time now and I'll show patients like, no, no, you have gums like me. We match. Yeah. Oh, that's so helpful to know. Cause I feel that a lot of black people are sitting around worried that something's wrong and it's just, that is the color of your gums. Natural. Yeah. Is there anything that you can do for gum health? I know you mentioned flossing is one, not brushing too intensely. Anything else? So I would say flossing is the key one making sure you're not brushing, like you said, too hard is key. The other thing is mouthwash is antiseptic because we do see 
that there is a change in terms of people who had gingivitis going from bleeding gums to a reduction in bleeding. When you see gums that are bleeding, bleeding a lot, bleeding all the time when someone's brushing, bleeding all the time when they're flossing, that's not good. We want to make sure gums can respond to brushing and flossing without heavy bleeding. So I would say mouthwash would be the antiseptic mouthwash would be the other addition, I would say, to kind of help with gum health. Okay. And, and when you say antiseptic, do you mean with alcohol? Because I know that's a thing where there is like mouthwashes that have alcohol, mouthwashes that don't. Which do you recommend? So again, it's one of these things where it depends on the patient. So right now, there are really only a couple of antiseptic mouthwashes on the market. Now, keep in mind, this is always regulated by the FDA. So there have been non-alcohol mouthwashes and research that have been proven to be as effective as those with alcohol. The active ingredients, so for example, Listerine, they have the four essential oils. Those are what are the active ingredients that kill germs. And so with that, the ones that are alcohol-free aren't technically antiseptic as per FDA rules, but have been proven to be just as effective in terms of germ killing. And in other parts of the world, they are labeled that way. So, What brand do you recommend? I am a huge fan of Listerine. I'm pretty okay. much, I'm always giving out samples of that. I use it myself. And okay. that the fluoride one is what I recommended, what I saw with that patient who had that difference with the soft to hard spot. That's what sold me, I think, years okay. ago. Great. Mm. Okay. Now for people that have bad breath, What's happening? Is there an imbalance going on? Is, you know, because it's like, I think for some people, they've tried all the things and it's just like, it's like an underlying something that's going on where like the bad breath is just not going away. Good question. So the number one reason for bad breath, dry mouth. You see me sipping water? Like I'm always Mm. sipping because dry mouth means bad breath. So if we increase our water, that'll be one way to help combat that. However, there can be a a multitude of causes. So somebody who may have a gum disease issue, you might have heard me mention a moment ago, periodontitis, that's gum disease. That particular gum disease causes an accumulation of certain types of bacteria. I'm not going to lie, they're funky. So in dentistry, we refer to someone who has bad breath from periodontitis as having perio breath. There's a very distinct smell from that because of that bacteria. So a person would need to have some appropriate treatment if periodontal disease is the reason for bad breath. So that may involve some deep cleaning and also making sure they're really good with their home care and staying on top of flossing. Another reason may be our tongue. So a lot of times we're not always cleaning our tongues. I don't necessarily clean my tongue every day, but I try to make sure I do it at the end of the night. A lot of the manual toothbrushes these days on the backside will have little scrubbers you can use to clean your tongue. You can also find, if you look online or if you go like into a big box store, you'll see there are tongue scrapers mm-hmm. and tongue brushes specifically to help clean the tongue. I always tell patients, you don't want to go super rough. Like if you're like, if you're scraping your tongue and it's bleeding, uh, that's a little too aggressive. You don't need to be aggressive to clean it well. Another reason people may have bad breath is GERD or acid reflux. That can cause, sometimes people have like a sour taste, something along those lines. That can also be a reason for bad breath. And uh, sometimes certain foods just make our breaths a little hot, you know, like, look, I like garlic. I'm not giving it up. But, you know, after I eat something that's garlicky, I need to kind of at least rinse out or get some water. 
to kind of get it going. Okay, yeah. that is helpful. I just got a tongue scraper a few months ago and I really love it. And the reason I got one is I'm always terrified that I will have bad breath and not know it. Is there a way you can know on yourself if you have bad breath? Because I feel like most people who have it don't know. <laughs> that 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 is true. Now, I can't say this is something I necessarily learned in dental school, <laughs> but I heard this back and I decided I was going to be a dentist. I grew up 15 years old and I heard this back when I was like 15 or 16. And it is true. I've tried this. So if you lick your wrist, let it dry, and then go back and kind of smell it, that gives oh, you an idea of what's going on. That's good. <laughs> so I guess it's like your own <laughs> self-assessment because we don't necessarily know what we have because we're sitting there breathing in our breath all day. Yeah. And I also think when COVID hit and everyone was wearing masks all at once, you may have heard that phrase mask breath. Mm-hmm. That mask breath was always there. So if you were a person who may have experienced mask, mask breath, that might have been a sign, you know, it's a little ripe in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little ripe. Ah. <laughs> Fermented. <laughs> right. <I'm> like, mm, <laughs> bacteria is swimming. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I want to talk about teeth whitening because I've tried all types of products. I've done, you know, the mouthwash, the strips. Recently I did this like UV mouth applicator. And then of course you can like pay to have these expensive treatments with your dentist. Are these recommended like are the DIY ones effective or a waste of money that's a great question so there are some that actually do work their DIY and I'll kind of run through my whole spiel I run through with patients so when you're in the store and you see the whitening mouthwashes and toothpaste they are a lie I wish they were true but a lot of what they base their claims on is say if someone hasn't been to the dentist in 20 years and they've been drinking black coffee all day and they use these products, it will help remove surface stain because the surface stain is so aggressive. So you'll hear commercialists like, oh, you'll change 10 shades if you use this for two months. But yeah, if you haven't been in the dentist in 20 years and had that stain removed, yeah, it's going to do something. What I will say is effective in terms of an over-the-counter product are, I'm a fan of white strips because they stay on the teeth and that active ingredient will work if you use it as directed. I've seen it. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but I also tell patients, you want to make sure you're getting something whitened that can be whitened. So sometimes people will have decay or maybe even some type of dental work on their front teeth and those don't change color unless they're changed out or the decay is treated. Now, getting into some of the professional options, you'll see uh, different types of in-office whitening. So for example, Zoom is one brand. There's a bunch of others out, uh, but you go into the dental office and you're assessed to make sure that you're a good candidate for whitening. And then you have a gel and light place over your teeth. And then after a certain amount of time, it does jump shades. I do tell patients, if you are sensitive, you are not a good candidate for that type of treatment. The other thing to be aware of is when you have in-office whitening, I do you know, tell people very frankly, after a period of time, that tends to fade. What mm-hmm. I'm the biggest fan of And what was really the first thing put out on the market, which is, if you look at research, tends tends to last the test of time, are take-home custom trays made by your dentist that is loaded with a whitening gel. And the reason I'm a fan of that is because, one, we find the 
that's longevity. I have a patient who did his maybe like, oh gosh, 12 years ago, still really, really bright white stayed and it's lasting. The other reason is if you're sensitive, there are sensitive formulas out there that you can use based on what your needs are. They work a little bit slower, but again, that longevity is still there. And the biggest thing with that is just making sure you're applying it appropriately, making sure your dental professional shows you. And I, I also tell people, you know, if you choose to get professional whitening, you want to make sure you really do get it from someone who's a licensed dental professional. There's a lot of stuff that pops up here and there. And I've seen people who have gone for whitening with someone who's not a dentist or dental hygienist. And they're like, well, this didn't whiten. I'm like, it can't whiten. That's, that's a cavity. That's not going to work. That's not how this happens. You know, we're here to assess these things, but also we're doing it in a safe manner. We're making sure we have the appropriate product for you. People can get actual burns in their mouth if they're not applied correctly and safely. And also, you know, even the materials you're using, it's either disposed of or if there's some type of metal instrument in your mouth, it's autoclave, meaning it's sterilized. You don't have that in a setting that's not a professional setting. So it's not supposed to burn. No. Well, okay. you can have some sensitivity. Sensitivity is within normal range. Burning is a no. Okay. Absolute no, 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 no. Because I did okay. it and it was with my dentist and my mouth felt like it was burning off. And I was like, this is not for me, but I probably wasn't doing it right. And I don't think it was custom fitted. So it, depending on what it was, what the product was, if it was something that you placed yourself, there's a chance you may have overloaded the tray. If there's a tray you place the yeah. material into, I literally sit there and I have like a little demo model and I'll show patients like, wait, you only need about half a grain of rice in each area where the teeth are. If you're mm. loading it and it's all over, it will hurt. It's uncomfortable. So that's when you've gone a little too far with that material. Okay. Good mm. to know. I Maybe I'll try again. I was like sworn off of it, but um, yeah, I my dentist is amazing. I don't know what happened. So what foods or drinks will darken your teeth? I hear coffee all the time. Mm-hmm. Coffee is a big one. Tea, especially like just plain simple tea without any like milk added to it. One thing I've seen recently with a lot of more so it's, it's like surface staining we'll see, kombucha. So it's like the fermented tea that really like adheres to the teeth for some reason. Uh, even I tell patients anything that's like dark that can darken a white t-shirt that can potentially put some stain on your teeth. So berries, berry juices, cranberries, things like that. Now I tell people keep eating them because they're good for you. A lot of the times it's just surface stain. If it's something where it's, a lot of that can be polished off and that's what we see a lot of. So I'll see someone who comes in and they were there three months ago. I'm like, hmm, what's going on? How come there's so much stain? What are you eating or drinking that's different? And usually I'll find out oh, I've been having, you know, blueberries every morning. I'm like, look, keep eating your blueberries, keep getting your antioxidants, but we can polish this off. And they may need to use something, like I've mentioned before, those whitening mouthwashes and toothpaste. They don't actually whiten, but they do help prevent stain. So if someone is having some of these dark products, I'll say, hey, use this daily. That will help. An electric toothbrush will also help. Even just rinsing out with water after taking in some of this stuff will be helpful too. Great. Good to know. I have a question and this is our last one before we do our fire round, <laughs> but yeah, we have a fire round with listeners submitted questions. So enamel, that's another, I feel thing I hear about all the time. You know, you hear don't drink the lemon water because it'll have an impact on enamel, seltzer water, things like that. 
what does erode enamel and can you get enamel back? Good question. So to answer the last part, you cannot get enamel back. So that's something to be aware of. And yes, there are things that erode enamel, almost anything acidic. So if you have someone who's putting lemon to their teeth, that can do it. Even things that are processed carbohydrates stay in your mouth in a long time. So if somebody has a cough drop in the corner of their mouth and it's like a sugar cough drop or certain mints that have sugar in them, like the red and white mints we see, if they're holding them in an area, the bacteria in your mouth kind of attacks that uh, the same candy or mint or whatever it is, and it leaves behind an acid byproduct that actually eats away at your teeth. So salsa water can do it if it's in excess. Anything that's really acidic can do it. So anything that's like, if someone's having like a little shot of apple cider vinegar in the morning, rinse out a little bit of water after. Those are things that kind of slowly erode and wear away the enamel. So you do want to be mindful of those types of things. But even processed carbohydrates kind of have a very similar impact as well to these acidic things. Now, I will tell you this, I'm a hardcore salsa water addict. I'm not giving it up. But what I do is I generally will have salsa water with my meal. So I'm not sipping on it all day. I'll have it with my meals. If it was up to me, I would just sip it, drink it, bathe in it. I, like I want only salsa water. Like, that's like that I am, that's it. I'm a LaCroix lady all day. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but there is an acidic component to it. It's, is it as bad as soda? No, when it comes to what it does to your teeth, because soda also has the sugar in it. But is it ideally sipping on all day? No, unfortunately, it's not. So I tell people, if you're going to have those things, try to space them out rather than having them into your mouth all day and then follow up with some water. Okay. Last really quick follow up about the enamel. Should you brush your teeth? I know we talked a little bit about it, but for people who are like, oh, should I brush after every meal? Or does that like mess with your enamel at all? So usually the rule of thumb is after you eat, you want to wait about maybe half an hour because like I mentioned, the bacteria in your mouth leave behind a little bit of an acidic byproduct from carbohydrates that we eat. If you can wait about half an hour, have a little water, then brush, that's best. I'm not going to lie. I only brush my teeth twice a day. If someone wants to brush after every meal, great, go for it. But maybe wait that little bit of time if you can so that you aren't brushing away more than you need to be. Mm, okay, got it. So it sounds like... The acid makes things weaker. Okay. Oh, I see. So you have to let it settle a little bit. Yep. Your mouth okay. will return its pH kind of to the neutral stage after about half an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great to know. Okay, we're ready for our fire round because, I mean, we could keep this interview right. going for days. So we're just going to shoot some questions at you and you can quickly answer them as best as you can. What is gingivitis? It's a swelling of the gums or we refer to it as gingiva. So it's bleeding of the gums. We don't want to see that. Brush thoroughly, floss to help reduce and then eliminate that. Is there anything wrong with aluminum fillings? So silver fillings that you see no, they're not as typically done anymore just because now the tooth colored fillings have really stepped their game up over these last, gosh, 15, 20 years so that they're pretty much as strong as those. I have them. I tell people don't be afraid of them, but I don't place them here because I don't even keep the materials anymore. So if they're in good shape, they're okay. I think a concern is mercury exposure. When you have one placed, you're exposed to about as much mercury as you would from eating a tuna fish sandwich. Oh, Okay. Not much. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> How to avoid root canals if you're prone to them? Making sure that you go into regular care. If you have a cavity, you want to make sure it's nipped in the bud before that cavity grows to become 
problem to get into the nerve. So when that cavity reaches the nerve, it's either have that tooth out or have a root canal. So if you go in for regular checkups, make sure you're good with your home care. That will help prevent a lot of that. Great. Tips for tooth grinding. Is a night guard helpful or is there anything that you recommend? So usually a night guard is helpful. You usually want to get one professionally fitted because some can cause more grinding depending on how they fit. The other thing is in some severe cases, patients can actually have a Botox injection to help reduce that like tension in the muscle. doesn't really do anything in terms of looks. It may slim the jaw a little bit, maybe for some, but it helps kind of reduce that heavy duty clenching that some people will have. Mm, okay. Teeth straightening. Do they work the kids? I would recommend highly against them because you're literally pushing teeth through bones. What does that mm-hmm. mean? And if in a case of someone's healthy and all is well and they're lucky, great, you know, but there's a reason that there are orthodontists who went to three years of additional training to know how to do this and know how to do it safely. I've had patients who've done some DIY stuff and I've seen someone not too long ago who actually has had four of her teeth removed because I'm being honest to her. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, oh, wow. I wish you saw me first. Oh, why did you do this? Like, oh, I, wanted no. to, I wanted to cry. She's young uh, and I, she didn't know she had issues with gum disease that would have needed to be addressed first. And then really she should have been treated with an orthodontist moving things extra slow to help prevent mm. further issues. But as long as you're doing it with an orthodontist, it's okay. Like Invisalign. Okay, cool. Correct. If you're doing it with a dental professional, be it a dentist who's trained in that, or an orthodontist, then you're in good shape. Okay. At what age should your kids start going to the dentist? By age one. Oh. Even though, yeah, usually you'll, I always refer to have patients see a pediatric dentist at that age because things can go wrong. And, you know, you also want to make sure parents know what to do to help prevent decay because you can see cavities in kids as little as like two or three. And in that case, sometimes a child of that age really needs to be seen in an operating room to get treatment. So the idea is to prevent that and get in there early and learn what you should or shouldn't do to help prevent decay. Mm, Okay. Charcoal toothpaste, does it have any benefits? Don't do it. Don't do it. If you want to have abrasion on your teeth and sensitivity, if you want to wear away enamel, go for it. But I highly strongly recommend against it. It became like a big thing on IG and I've had so many patients come in like, oh, I'm using this. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I have to. And I've had so many patients come in with sensitivity after erosion and basically abrasion from the charcoal product. Wow. So I am, a, I am a don't do it type of girl. Girl, don't wow. do it. People, when you're looking at toothpaste, look for the ADA seal of approval on your toothpaste. There's a reason that it's there. The American Dental Association has done some background work on it and it's been proven to be beneficial for you. Dang. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of marketing behind them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I see it. I've seen the aftermath too. Well, that's the thing. It's like a dentist is the best person to go to because you actually see the before, the after, the things gone wrong. It's like the botched plastic surgery thing. What not to do, right? Okay, hookah. Somebody asked, is hookah bad for your teeth? It's like smoking. I tell people cigars, cigarettes, hookah, weed, all of the above. If you smoke it, even vaping, anything that's smoked dries your mouth. It increases your risk of cavities, decay, gum disease, and oral cancer. 
Mm, so you're saying okay. people should do edibles? Minimize. Well, technically, <laughs> I mean, I guess if a dentist I'd say, don't do the gummies if you're going to do them because it will sit in your teeth. So oh. if someone's going to indulge, stay away from anything that is smoked only because of the effect on your teeth. You know, this is the reality of it. Smoking in any form is harmful to your mouth and increases the risk of oral cancer. There's just no getting around it. Mm, wow. Okay. UV lights for whitening. I recently told you that I, I tried this like UV kit. I put the gel on it. Are they effective? I noticed a, a little bit of an improvement, but I think it kind of went away. The gel is really what does the work. So usually these gels that you place on the teeth to whiten them, that's what's really doing the trick. In a professional setting, we do have other types of lights we're using, but the key component ingredient is the gel. So the at-home UV lights really aren't doing too much, but the gel that is part of that kit usually is. Okay. That's, that's the meat and potatoes of it. The gel. Last fire round question. How, and this is a really good one. How often should you change your toothbrush? I tell people every season. So okay. the first day of spring, summer, fall, winter. So every three months. I just change it literally once the season changes. I pop off my toothbrush head, toss out any manual brushes and swap it out. So mm. it should be every three months. Now, if you've been brushing like a Brillo pad and you have like bristles that are looking like they're like uh, pom-poms. You have to call me out. Laid out. It's all right. I'm sorry. I promise I'm not picking on you. I'm not picking on you. It's not on purpose. <laughs> No, this is good. This I mean, is everything. Child, yeah. I got to change my, I've been using that toothbrush right. head for, I don't even know how Fine long. for dear life. <laughs> yep. If it's on oh black, like, let it go. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Oh my God. Well, Dr. Marie, this was incredible. Thank yes. you so much for sharing all of these necessary tips with us. Tell us like where you're based, if people want to work with you, where they can find you, where they can connect with you online. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on here. I love your work. You can find me on Instagram. My office is named Stellar Smile Center. My Instagram handle is at Stellar underscore smile. You can also find me on Facebook or StellarSmileCenter.com. I'm based in Montclair, New Jersey. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.